Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Print and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode, or were a movie that was recut, or whatever. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Trust the fungus. Trust the fungus. I believe uh, we are doing the Morton Jankel cut of the 1993 uh, Super Mario Brothers film. Editor Noah here, uh, making... Probably my earliest appearance in the podcast. So, hi. So, funny story. Between the time it took to watch this film and edit this podcast, the Morton Gentle cut of Super Mario Brothers has been removed from archives.org. So, I'm unfortunately here to inform you that uh, there will be very very little clips in this episode of Stay Doomed due to the fact that the source material has been removed. We focus very much on what was added to the film with only touching on the parts of the film that were in the DVD release. So I don't have a lot of material to work with here, so I'm going to do my best, but I want to warn you ahead of time that, unfortunately, you can no longer watch the Morton Jenkel cut of Super Mario Brothers, and there will be very few clips in this here episode. Back to the show! Yes. So, so a little background on this. Please, please go ahead. So, this was... It, it's sort of an interesting situation, because this has come out in the last couple of weeks, and this restores a lot of footage that had been thought to be lost. Yes. And there is a team from Super Mario Brothers the Movie Archive, Ryan Parente, Stephen Applebaum, and Ryan Haas, and they restored the film. So the, the film is kind of an interesting edit of essentially dailies or not quite finished with the existing Blu-ray. Yes. So with be- a lot of post-production of like color correction, sound correction... To make it kind of work as a movie. So yeah, so what I understand has happened here is they found this director's cut or first cut Mm -hmm. of the Mario Brothers movie and it's not color corrected. There's some sound issues and the time codes are predominantly displayed at the bottom. Uh, This person was nice enough to take that and cut in the additional footage into the released film. Mm-hmm. So there are times where all of a sudden like quality drops and this time code shows up. And that's how you know that this is bonus footage. This started out as just the entire film looking not great. So the fact that they took the time to make it look this good for a movie that came out in 1993 that was critically panned, pretty awesome. And they did take some creative liberties to kind of make it feel a little bit more cohesive. Yeah, there's some very interesting choices in here. It starts at the very beginning, but first, let's pour one out. Let's pour one out. What, what you got there? I have the Trust the Fungus. 
That looks nasty. That's the point. So uh, I wanted to make a bubbly looking kind of gross fungus looking drink. So I made a Rupert float. Okay. So I started with root beer and I poured it over. I was going to do vanilla ice cream, but I ended up finding a pink uh, cookies and cream with chocolate fudge. I, the pink you can barely see. Like you can kind of see it on the top of this. But I poured the soda over the ice cream, which made it fizz up similar to like the bubbly fungus. And because there's chunks of fudge in it, it just looks really dirty, mm-hmm. which is really good. And then uh, I added a bomber shot of Crown Royal, since this is, in fact, the king. Okay. Uh, it's overpowered by the booze, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, I made the Fiona Shaw No, or the Almost Unreal, depending yes. on what you want to call it. Uh, there's a shot that is upsetting every time to me of Fiona Shaw's character, Lena, takes a sip at the club... And you hear the little sound effect of her swallowing a worm and it going, Yeah, you hear the worm getting eaten. Um, Which, poor Fiona Shaw drank real worms. Really? Yeah, she was not aware in the first take that it was going to be a real worm either. Oh, is it a real scream from the worm? Yes. Really? Uh, I did not want to do that. So I have uh, several gummy worms at the bottom of my clear seltzer because she drinks out of a clear drink. Uh, so I have several gummy worms cut up in this clear seltzer. Yeah, so I will be adding in tiny screams throughout this podcast. As, they're, they're all at the bottom because I didn't drink it out of a shot glass. Right. So they are, I'll be picking those out. There's also little cherries because it's a video game. So I have the yeah. little, the little, little cherry Mario power double up. cherries, yeah. And then a red and green Twizzler straw. Uh, for Mario. For and Mario and Luigi. Uh, I had to mention those because I ate them. Yeah, while they're you were already s- eaten. Yeah, I ate them while you were setting up. <laughs> they're in the picture, so I wanted to make sure I mentioned them. Yes. But I, I ate those. Oh, no! <laughs> I will also say, uh, just as a small side note, uh, that Double Cherries is, in fact, a power-up because I'm in a Nintendo commercial where I play Luigi and I, I get my hand on some double cherries. So I'll be sure to include a link to my Nintendo commercial uh, somewhere in the links below. I did straight up forget that you were in a an actual Nintendo commercial <laughs> at some point. Yeah. I'm naked in Nintendo New York. How many people could say that? Probably. Not a lot. It's, but it's probably more than you think. Probably more than you would want. Mm-hmm. So the f- very first thing we see is um, footage from the 1925 film The Lost World. Okay, that's what I was saying. This this wasn't footage that was created for the Super Mario Brothers movie. This is footage from something else. So, so according to Garrett Gilchrist, who is one of the people behind the what is being called the Morton Jankel cut, Morton Jankel uh, are Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel. Yes. Who were the directors. The directors, yes. So this is see, uh, seemingly a little closer to, the, their, to their vision. Okay. Because the movie, some background here Go before it. we get into this Lost World, is that this movie had a massively troubled production. Yes. They were not sure who the audience for this film was. Uh, Disney was distributing it. it. Notice it's not a Disney movie, but Disney was distributing it. Right. So they wanted a movie for eight or nine-year-olds. Morton and Jenko were best known for Max Headroom. Okay, that makes a lot of sense thinking about this. And... 
that was really their big hit at that point was they were the max headroom people so they wanted that like dirty dystopian sci-fi look Mm-hmm. That was like the Blade Runner. They, they actually do have the set designer from Blade Runner working mm-hmm. on this film. Um, you know, Max Headroom, this weird, dark techno dystopia. And so Morton and Jankel were making that movie. In the meantime, everyone's kind of getting pulled in different directions. They're running out of money. Uh, Dennis Hopper uh, famously throws a four hour temper tantrum on four set. Four hours? Uh, yes. So what happened... Suck it, Christian Bale. Oh, this Christian Bale looks like an angel. And it's one of the scenes where they're in the skyscraper. Okay. And Dennis Hopper didn't like his dialogue. So he screams at them. Because every day they're rewriting the script. And so he's screaming like, You rewrote my lines! You call this writing? This is shit! It's shit! This went on for 45 minutes. And uh, so they were like, let's break for lunch. <laughs> lunch was two hours long. And also Dennis Hopper screaming. <laughs> you can eat when I tell you to eat. And like the directors start trying to pacify him. They're like, well, we'll do whatever you want. You will like, fine, we'll go back to it. We'll do it the way you want. Whatever. Like, please, like, just please leave. stop yelling at us. It's been three hours. And he's like, I got another hour for you. No. Um, they just do it the way it was written. Oh. Like, After that whole thing, just nothing just, has changed. Nothing has changed. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. This this shoot was a nightmare. Um, John Leguizamo was badly injured in a stunt driving accident. Really? Because he was drunk. Oh, okay. Um, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo were um, impaired during a lot of filmings. That's Mario and Luigi, if yes. you don't know. Dennis Hopper, of course, is King Koopa in this film. Yeah. Um, the the only person there's not a lot of information on is Samantha Mathis, who played Daisy. Okay. About like her reactions to things. She did go on to have a career, so I'm guessing she just doesn't want to acknowledge this film. But I, I wanted to get this background of like how rough butts the production mm. for this was. To explain the tonal changes and why things were different. Super Mario Brothers famously starts with a weird, dumb cartoon Mm -hmm. explaining essentially the split timeline. Yeah, it's a very famous narration of this weird, like, New Yorker talking about dinosaurs. Yeah. A long, long time ago, the Earth was ruled by dinosaurs. They were big, so not a lot of people went around hassling them. It's uh, Dan Castellaneta. Yes. Famously Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson. Uh, And the genie in Return of Jafar. Yes. But, like, they take all of that out in this cut. Mm -hmm. There is no dinosaurs uh, explanation. Instead, we get credits over this footage of what I have in my notes as the claymation dinosaurs from Pee-wee's Playhouse. So, apparently in, like, 1993... This, is, this was Garrett Gilchrist's opinion of it, was it was a very Gen X thing to start with, like, a silent film piece and do something new with it. Okay. So they wanted to kind of do this whole thing where they're like, well, let's just use this and all you really need is, like, 65 million years ago in Brooklyn, dinosaurs got hit by the meteor mm-hmm. and some of them lived. The beginning of the work print, which is what they used for this is just that next scene 
where Koopa is stalking the woman through the streets of New York. Yes. This very horror movie opening. Like, this is very dark for a kid's movie. I can only think of one other kid's movie that starts similarly to this. And it's Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Which is famously very dark for in the beginning. Where uh, Frollo and his men are chasing Quasimodo's mother yeah. through the streets of Paris. And I want to I spend a little time on this because like, this is super important. In the original cut, you just see this like capsule being left on these nuns' uh, doorstep, along with this rock, which will be very important. The nuns open it up, and it's an egg, and then the egg hatches, and it's a baby, mm-hmm. which is an incredible way to start a film. But in this one, we actually see that who ends up to be Daisy's mother... Uh, is being pursued by King Koopa. And Daisy's mother is played by Samantha Mathis. Yeah. <laughs> they did not hire a second actress. Yes, which will be um, funny later. Uh, and <laughs> there's a, a moment in this cut where he chase, Koopa chases Daisy's mothers through the sewers and they actually run through this large green pipe. And yes. I'm like, this is, why wasn't this in the, like, this is everything you need. Mm-hmm. And Koopa grabs her and is like, where's the stones? And he gets shoved and a cave-in happens. Yeah. This is so vitally important because this explains why... Where Daisy's mother is. Where Daisy's mother's is. And why Koopa and the rest of Dino Hatton, which is the name of the city they're from, don't return to Manhattan until Daisy's a adult. Mm-hmm. Because... The passageway from their worlds actually caves in. Mm-hmm. Like, this is important backstory that is just not explained. So, like, I enjoy the Super Mario Brothers movie. We are three minutes in, and this is already, like, vastly superior, in my opinion. Yeah. She gets crushed and killed. And then we see the same shots of the nuns finding the egg, the egg hatching, and being a baby girl. Yes. What what an amazing... What an amazing batshit opening for this movie. Mm-hmm. We then cut to one of my favorite ways to establish plot. A TV in the background of the Mario Brothers uh, apartment talking about alternate dimensions. Yes. Which I love that where it's just like, yeah, this just happens to be on. When I looked around, I was, I was somewhere else. Another dimension, you mean? Sure. Another dimension. Okay. Well, and like you get the impression that the trash, well, that like Luigi likes trash TV because Luigi's yeah. like laying on the couch watching it. Mm-hmm. While Mario's like cooking or something. Yeah, Mario's just like going about his day. Yes. They get a call about a restaurant having a plumbing issue. Yes. We actually see a scene where the Scapelli's plumbers tell them it'll take like three days to fix. Yes. And it's going to be really expensive. And Mario and Luigi are like, this is a two-hour fix. We can have you up and running by dinner service. Yes. So this is the the first time, and really the only time, we see the Scapelli rival plumbers. And they're under the boss of Scapelli, who is like a powerful man in Brooklyn. But I also like this because we actually see that, like, Mario and Luigi are honest. And they're good at their job. This is something that was missing in the original movie of, like, them actually... Doing plumbing things. They do some plumbing in... In Koopa's castle. But it's a good establishing thing to me. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I have in my notes uh, nail toy foreshadowing. I have no idea what that is referring to. What? Nail toy foreshadowing. I, I don't know. Not an idea. Um, oh, well. Hey, it's Editor Noah here again. In editing, I actually figured out what the heck I was talking about here. You know those pin toys you can put your hand through and it makes your hand look like all metallic and stuff? During this scene, Luigi puts his face in one and it mirrors how it looks like when you go through the alternate dimensions into Dino Hatton. So it's subtly foreshadowing the movement of dimensions. That's all. Back to the show! Then we go to the dig site, and we get the same scene we always get of Scapelli openly threatening and intimidating a graduate student. Yes. I'm Anthony Scapelli. I'm the boss elsewhere. My boys need to get back to work here. How long are you going to be digging up these bones? As long as our corridor lasts, Mr. Scapelli. The university has explained to you how important this site is. But we'd be done here a lot sooner if your goons would stop harassing us. Look like a smart girl. I'll bet you'd be done by tonight. You know, a lot of girls have been going missing in Brooklyn lately. I'd be careful. Uh, And then the most hilarious thing, having worked at a college, the most hilarious thing of a graduate student calling the university and saying, I don't care about the money. Get more security down here. And everyone who's ever worked at a school went, (laughs) okay, buddy. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry, they're all on the meal plan right now, so they can't come down here to be security for you. Yeah, like, the idea that she has any clout and can call... She's leading a dig site in Brooklyn. And I love that Scapelli also says something along the lines of, you know, a lot of girls in Brooklyn have gone missing. It'd be a shame if something happened to you. Implying that he's the one who's making the girls go missing, but he's not. He's lying because it's Koopa that's doing that. Yeah. Uh, because we then meet the Koopa Cousins. Yes, the Super Koopa Cousins. The Super Koopa Cousins. Spike and Iggy. Spike and Iggy. And I think this was a joke that was added in the in this cut that I super enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes over with hot dogs and they go, they say this is dog. Yeah. Which no, is, that's in the movie. That, that's a great joke. Yeah. Now, those two actors really did run with. Mm-hmm. You, you might recognize them as... The person who steals Ferris Bueller's car in Ferris Bueller? Yeah. And also, uh, the other one, Iggy. I know he's been in a lot. I know him from Lost. Uh, But I know it was a big cameo when he was in Lost. Uh, What is he from? Uh, We looked it up, right? It was like a Law and Order? Yeah. Editor Noah here once again. It's Fisher Stevens. He's the bad guy from Hackers. He was also in Short Circuit. That's who that is. Back to the show. Yeah, they're they're character actors. They now the they say this is dog was not in the script. Oh, really? Um, what they what happened here is the actors who played uh, Edson or excuse me, the actors who played Spike and Iggy. Yeah, Richard Edson and Fisher Stevens who play Spike and Iggy respectively, uh, openly made up their own dialogue. Um, That's very interesting. They they become much more. Uh, comic relief characters by their own hands. Because I actually, I really like their next line, which is, if we bring back the wrong girl to Koopa again, he'll kill us. And the other one goes, they won't kill, he won't kill us. He's not that nice. 
Yeah. Which is a great way to establish Koopa. Mm-hmm. It's very, very funny. Like, mm-hmm. the two of them really, um, the two of them really run with this part. So then we get the little meet-cute of Luigi and Daisy. Yes. Which drives you nuts as an adult to watch, because Luigi hangs up on a man desperate to pay cash for plumbers at that moment. Yes. It's to um, hit on a girl. To hit on a girl. And, like, they also established that Mario and Luigi are not in great financial straits. Yeah. this Because this is... I, I need to make this yeah. point. This is 90s Brooklyn. Uh, what you are currently thinking about is Brooklyn. Uh, this is not where no. we are yet. Like, Brooklyn has not fallen into hipster territory at this time. It's still one of the outer boroughs. Right. And, like, nothing dates this movie more than when the van breaks down and they just need water to cool it. Mm-hmm. And Mario comes out complaining about bottled water. Yeah. He's like, $3 for water. It comes out of every tap in the city. Because there was a time where the idea of buying water was ridiculous. And, like, that being said, he paid $3 in 1993 for a bottle of water. That is ridiculous. Because yeah. that same bottle probably still costs $3. Yeah, true, true. So I was like, I'm a little on his side in that one. Uh, but this is establishing that Luigi has these feelings that you should just trust. Like yeah. He gets these feelings in his gut where he's like, I got a feeling we should do this just because of instinct. And this will be a, a reoccurring theme for Luigi throughout the film. Yeah, Luigi's very um, emotional and intuitive and Mario is very logical. So that's kind of what I wanted to uh, establish there. And the, the next like several pieces of the movie go on completely normally. Yeah. Uh, they go on a date. Luigi asks Daisy out successfully. Well, I, let me just specify that. Uh, Luigi fails. Mario does it for Luigi, where he basically translates for Luigi, where he's like, my idiot brother here is trying to say that he'd love to give you a ride, and if you're not doing anything, would like to feed you. Yeah. This is important later. That's why I want to bring that up. Oh, yeah, because Luigi goes, do you eat? Yeah, do you eat? <laughs> And so he goes on, um, Luigi and Daisy go on a double date with Mario and Daniela. Yes. Peach is nowhere to be found in this movie. No. Uh, and neither is Pauline. Yeah. Daniela is clearly the Pauline character of like, she's brunette. She's a little t- like more street savvy and tougher. Yeah. Than Peach and Daisy are usually uh, depicted as being. Mm-hmm. And they kind of talk about what Daisy does and... Daisy being like an archaeology student. And uh, she talks about like, oh, you know, what is that around your neck? And Daisy explains that the little meteorite she wears around her neck is all she has of her parents. Yes. And then Luigi's like, I don't have parents either. <laughs> yeah, they bond on on being. Uh, Luigi's way too happy about it, though. Yes. Like, um, it, it's amazing. I don't have parents. Mario's my mom and my dad. Yes. Because it should also be stressed that the Mario brothers are not related in this film. Luigi is an adopted brother. He doesn't. No, Mario is his brother. Are you sure? Yes. They have the same last name. He says he's my mom and my dad as well as my brother. Oh, I thought they said he was adopted. No. Because Luigi's Hispanic. I mean... (laughs) 
I mean, he's very clearly Hispanic. So, <laughs> guys, in the 90s, uh, there's a, they actually talked about this with um, Stay Doomed alum Gina Torres. Uh, she is Afro-Latina. Right. And she was talking about how people want their Latinx actors to look Italian. Oh. So that, that quote actually just came to mind. Like, they want their Latinx actors to look Italian, not like me. Because Gina Torres is Afro-Latina. Oh. So that just actually, I was like, oh, look, a connection to real world events. And so they kind of just like, John Leguizamo looks ethnically ambiguous enough that they're like, eh, Italian. <laughs> 90s casting was not... <laughs> it was not, not the best place. Yeah, 90s casting, like... This was ca- like when Welsh Catherine Zeta-Jones was every spicy Latina part. Yeah, right. And she is Welsh. Right. So, like, that kind of... We're gonna try to cast, you know, as racially white as possible at all times. Interesting. In the okay. ni- I mean, can you think of a time we see a person of color in this film? In this film? No. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I thought. We see John Leguizamo. <laughs> yeah, and... They kind of pass him off as Italian. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, casting, it's still not great. Like, obviously, this Afro-Latina issue uh, was coming up because of it, the casting issues within the Heights. That everyone in the Heights is very light-skinned. Right. Uh, we'll probably, in ten years, have another conversation about, okay. in Stay Doomed, episode 600, we'll stop, probably still be talking about racism and colorism in casting. Yeah. Because... Make, make a note of this episode for episode 600. Yeah, this is... It's absurd. So, there are no, like... John Leguizamo is the only person of color in this movie. And he's cast as an Italian guy. When they leave the restaurant, Daniela's like, Mario, why don't we take the van back and Luigi can walk Daisy home? Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably have driven Daisy home if girls were going missing in Brooklyn. Especially if she had been threatened earlier that day. (laughs) That being said, uh, Mario takes Daniela home and Spike and Iggy follow the van. Yes. And then kidnap Daniela. Yeah, so Daniela gets kidnapped. And she screams and it's very uh, Kitty Genovese of she's screaming and no one does anything. Right. And Daisy and Luigi go to the excavation site. So they don't really walk her home. We don't really see anything about... Um, we don't find out anything about what Daisy's life really looks like outside of her being a graduate student at NYU. Yeah. And we only see like a couple of background things that say NYU. It's never really specifically name-checked. And she's talking to Luigi about like, oh, you know, here's some dinosaur fossils. She takes them underground. And... She finds a fossil and uh, she sees one that has opposable thumbs and kind of makes a comment about it. Yeah, it says something like, it was like it was trying to become human. It was trying to stand up and act like a human. In my research, I found out that was supposed to be her mother. Oh, really? Yeah, like that's what's left of her mother. Interesting. But it's so subtle. I kind of like that as an idea. Yeah, like that she kind of like... This is, it also explains, like, why she, like, Luigi has, like, a calling to this specific place. Gotcha. So, Iggy and Spike have taken 
Danielle or Daniela. Right. And Scapelli and his people come and they start to flood the work, work site. Yes, they do evil plumbing. And Luigi and Daisy go back to Mario's place to go get him so that they can fix it. Yeah. Just to, just to make it clear, what is also being implied here is them digging for fossils. It is what unburied the thing that was buried in the beginning that allowed Koopa and his people to come back to Manhattan. Yes. It's a good, it's a good plot there that completely got missed in the release cut. Absolutely. And so they... Iggy and Spike are also now lurking around and they hear another woman and know that like, oh, maybe we'll take this girl too. And they managed to pull Daisy through. Mm-hmm. Well, they they severely concussed the Mario Brothers yes. by hitting them with wrenches. Yes. <laughs> like, they should be dead. <laughs> and They lost a life there. And they pulled Daisy through the portal. And they only find out that Daisy is gone because of this, like, very 90s effect of her screaming through the stone wall. Yeah. Which gives Luigi a feeling. And he blindly jumps into what is clearly just plain rock. But it's actually a portal into another dimension! Yay! And there's a nice bit of, like, Mario not being sure. And just, like, trying to touch it. And, like, it's a good comedy bit there. Yeah. Uh, and then he falls through, like, amazing CGI for 1993. Yeah. <laughs> like a, a nice psychedelic Beetlejuice world. And they show up in Dino Hatton. Yes. And this is one of the first things we want to discuss is uh, when they get mugged, the old lady, instead of demanding Koopa coins, demands coupons. Coupons, which is a better pun on Koopa. But does not relate to the video games enough. And you and I actually have a confusing conversation during the movie that explains why it was changed. Because unless you see it in print, mm-hmm. it just sounds like an old lady screaming for coupons. Yeah. Um, and this is like pre-extreme couponing. Yes. Oh, I, there's another line that I want to bring up here. Because mm-hmm. they don't quite understand what's going on. Yeah. They're like, what happened to Brooklyn? It must be a bad day or something like that. There is a deleted scene where this woman walks by. Mm-hmm. And there is a joke that I think is brilliant. Okay. But I think might be accidental. This woman walks by and goes, get out of my way, mother suckers. <clears throat> She's calling them mammals. Oh. Because mammals breastfeed. That's why mother suckers would be an insult. Oh my God, that is... That's a brilliant joke. You ever heard the phrase too smart for the room? (laughs) I mean, so... That joke is too smart for the room. So much of this movie, though, is too smart for the room. Because... The thing with Daisy's mother. The thing with Daisy's mother. And also, my favorite thing about this are the cars. Yes. The cars in the Super Mario Brothers movie are basically bumper cars. Yeah, they, they look like stock cars. Because they, they like run on this um, this electric grid, kind of like a bumper car, where some, something comes out of the top of the car and hits this electric fence that's above it that's powering the car. Yeah. 
Because the cars have to run on electricity. Because there are no fossil fuels. There are no fossil fuels here. Like, that little bit is so brilliant and never addressed and is something you just kind of get later. And it is an intentional choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we get the expedition exposition dump scene between Koopa and his girlfriend, Lena. Yes. Who is played by Fiona Shaw, a very, very good actress who is for some reason in this movie. She's probably I mean, best... I feel that way about pretty much everyone in this <laughs> film. Uh, she... Uh, Fiona Shaw, for our listeners, is probably best known as Petunia Dursley. Yes. In uh, the Harry Potter films. And so they kind of establish that, you know, they they resent the humans because Dino Hatton's gross. Yeah. And that humans have, like, air and water. They have all these resources. And because I want to talk about this, because I never understood this. This is in the original film. Koopa puts his hands in water. Mm-hmm. And then when he brings his hands up, they're covered in, like, this purple film. Yeah. That I thought were gloves. And, like, I thought kind of like he was doing, like, a mask of some sort. And then he wipes it off. What do you think that is? Uh, I felt like he was just so, like, they just didn't have clean water. So, like, every semblance of water still leaves. Like, there's still gross stuff in the water. That's what I, I think it's like fungus and grossness. Yeah. That just, like, when you touch water, like, bacteria just gets on your hands. Yeah. Like, that was my theory. Because, like, throughout the whole film, Gooba, Gooba, (laughs) Koopa is like a germaphobe. Yes. Which I think is a very interesting character choice for King Koopa. Yes. Uh, so, we yeah, we get this information dump where the plan is uh, they need the stone to mm-hmm. reunite the meteor and make it whole so the two worlds, Dino Hatton and all of Earth, I guess? Yes, because it's one, it's a few miserable streets and endless desert. Yes. Uh, will merge into one place and the reptiles, uh, reptiles, I guess, the dinosaurs, can uh, conquer the mammals and have all the resources. Yes. That's the main plot of this, which is an interesting choice for the Mario Brothers movie. But I'm in it. I'm in for it. Um, so we, we have that moment and then, uh, we also meet Toad. Yes. Toad is the character they never figured out what to do with in this film. He, Toad is a musician that writes protest songs. Ain't got no water. And Toad in the video games is always uh, a mushroom. Yes. In this, he just kind of has a weird haircut that's like a spiral. Honestly, um, Toad looks really modern. Yeah. Like, Toad looks really 2020. Like, the, uh, like, kind of the shaved head pattern. And, you know, he's... Anti-capitalist. Yeah. Uh, I was then thinking, is Toad supposed to represent an amphibian in this? 
because oh, he's a toad. I get that. Because, like, it's implied that all the people we see in Dino Hatton are evolved forms of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Is he perhaps actually a toad that was evolved? Maybe. But, like, I'm, I'm just trying to make sense of stuff. Uh, I remember, like, as soon as I saw Toad, my first thought was, oh my god, we're going to get more Toad scenes. And Toad's going to make more sense as a character. And not really. (laughs) Uh, We then established that Toad looks like Philip DeFranco. Yes, he does. He looks a lot like Philip DeFranco when they're in prison together. Yeah, I, I... They get arrested. We should probably mention they all get arrested. They get arrested because they put out an APB... On Mario and Luigi because they have the meteorite piece. Yes. Because when they try to grab Daisy, they grab her necklace and yes. snap it off. Uh, so they now have Daisy, but not the meteorite. Uh, like Koopa has Daisy, but not the meteorite. The Mario brothers have the meteorite, but not Daisy. Yes. Uh, so here I kind of notice a few things I hadn't noticed before. Yeah. Is... When they are getting decam- decontaminated mm-hmm. for uh, as they're getting arrested, uh, the people who decontaminate them are styled to look like Sniffs from Super Mario Brothers Two. Okay, the characters that like shoot the like ball at them. Okay, and there's a moment where they it's a bonus scene where they're locked in prison and Mario looks at someone next to him and there's someone chained up that's like. All black makeup and sharp teeth. Yeah. I, I remember like, you going, that's a chain chomp. Oh my god, that's a chain chomp. This is everything I want in a Super Mario Brothers movie. I love this idea of everything being a subtle interpretation instead of a literal translation of the game. Because a lot of people have a problem with this movie in that, like, it's not really Mario Brothers. Right. But would you really want to watch a movie about two plumbers murdering turtles? No. This is the way to do this. And it's it's done kind of well. Okay. I, we, we missed a few little things. There's also a bar called Bullet Bills. Yeah. Uh, also, this is super important that we miss. Uh, they no longer have the meteorite. Because uh, when they get mugged by the old lady looking for coupons, it ends up the meteorite ends up flying and then being caught by Big Bertha. Big Bertha. Now, I, I want to specify this about Big Bertha. She's wearing all red. Yeah. And she has spikes. Yeah. People believe that this is a cheap cheap. Okay. Did you get that? No. Because I also disagree with this being a cheap cheap. We find out later. Uh, well, actually, we'll get to that when we get to the Big Bertha scene. But yeah. I just, I'll, I'll float that out there and then we'll discuss it more. Uh, the Mario brothers get to meet with their attorney, who turns out to be Koopa. Yes, he is posing as uh, Larry Lazard of Lazard Lazard Condodactyl. <laughs> it's great! It's a great joke! <laughs> and he talks about how Koopa is an egg, a miserable egg-sucking son of a snake. Yeah. Well, also, uh, Mario specifically says that Koopa clown... Referring to the Koopa clown car from Super Mario World. Oh. I'm going to throw these out there. (laughs) Throw these little references out there the whole time. Uh, uh, Koopa also doesn't like shaking hands because it's gross, which I thought was fun. Yeah, which I I feel. uh, Especially now. Uh, We also... uh, we, We see the next scene is a lot of things that are new. When they get taken to the Devo chamber and... Before we move on to that, can we talk about how 
Uh, Koopa almost rips out Luigi's eyes. No. I don't know that. Yeah. He, he, well, he first he says uh, the thing about how Koopa is an egg-sucking son of a snake. And then he asks Luigi where the stone is. And Luigi says, what stone? Because they don't realize that they're talking about this meteorite thing. So Koopa puts both his son, his thumbs in Luigi's eyes. And Mario's like, stop. And then the cops come in and are like, no one talks to King Koopa this way. And Mario's like, you're Koopa? But you said, and Koopa, in a great supervillain line says, is an evil egg-sucking son of a snake. Did I lie? Yeah. So good. So good. Also, I have a note here that I meant to talk about is the weird foot fetish scene when they get checked into the cops. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell is that about? I have a note about it, but I have nothing to say about it. When they first get, like, brought into the police department, the the police chief just has a lady's foot playing with the side of his face. Yeah, like, there's for no apparent reason. This movie's insane. (laughs) All right, I'm sorry. I will stop interrupting. Uh, and we'll talk about the de-evolution chamber because we do get a big bonus scene in this. We do get a bunch of new scenes in the Devo chamber sequence. We get what we always had of Toad getting Devoed. Yes. Koopa, you're a lousy leader. Got him. Straight up got him. <laughs> and uh, we also see him shove uh, like the tech. Yes. And the tech gets Devoed even further from being a Goomba into Primordial primordial ooze. Yes. Which we see the floor be wet later Yeah, in that scene. And I remember saying to you, because we watched this a little while ago already before this cut came out, being like, why is the floor dirty? Yeah. Uh, But But then Koopa also goes like, ah, it's not like this is the first time I've been in here. And then the other people are like, this is the first time you've been in here. So it's implied that Koopa is starting to succumb to dementia. Well, he gets de-evolved. That's why he's, he doesn't remember stuff anymore. Oh, everything I've seen actually does interpret it as dementia. The, really? Yeah, the filmmakers actually interpreted it that way, who did the reconstruction. Oh, so the idea is like he's the mad king. Yes. He's not evil, he's losing it. Yes. Oh, I love this interpretation of King Koopa now. And then he also does get Devo'd. But, and we also get Koopa like, doing some sick Bond one-liners. Yeah. Uh, which we didn't really get in the first one. Yeah, we should mention that when he devos Toad, he brings him out and says, Goomba. Goomba. Because now, basically, the idea is a Goomba is a de-evolved one of these... Reptile people. Reptile people. And the way that they stylize the Goomba is the head is very, very small with big brown shoulders Mm -hmm. and like big white pockets on the breast. Like, like the eyes. So like the idea is the Goomba that we see in the games, like they're all shoulder. Yeah. (laughs) They're like not a mushroom, they're all shoulder. And the thing that we see are eyes are actually pockets and their heads are just so small we don't see them in the games, which is fun. That's kind of a fun idea. And then they give them a harmonica. They give him back his harmonica. For reasons. No, that's Toad's harmonica. They give him back his harmonica. Right. But why would you give it back to him? Um, He's a prisoner. 
Because now it's doubly insulting. It makes a better example of him if the people who live in the city know no, that no, was Toad. yeah know that that was the big protester who was always busking, singing mm. protest songs, being like, "Well, look what happened to him. You still want to do that?" that it sense. makes him a more effective example if you can pick out exactly which one he is. Gotcha. Um, we talk about dystopian fiction a lot, and what we've learned is that you do not want me to be your dystopian ruler. Yeah. Because I always go Mara for... might be evil. Because <laughs> that was something we always talk about with the Hunger Games, of how uh, putting Katniss back in the games in the second book is such a mistake, because it would just be so much easier to make her like a Kardashian. They make her a martyr. It would just be easier for them to like, just make her do the wedding show with PETA and the babies and like... Just imprison her in a picket fence life, yeah. which would kill her and make her miserable. Yeah. Instead of putting her back in the games that she was good at. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've had this conversation multiple times about yeah. bad dystopian leaders. And so we get, he gets devoted and then we see the weird uh, Koopa effect. Because everyone's just kind of like, oh, no. Because he gets devoed very slightly. Yes. And then we get the creepy lizard effect. Yeah, just every once in a while, he starts to get all lizardy now. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Mario brothers are escaping. And there's an expensive car chase. A very expensive looking car chase. Most of which is not in the final cut. Like, we see a lot of work print stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of extra stuff. Like, it looks like the Blues Brothers movie. The way that they're destroying cop cars. Yeah. (laughs) It's unbelievable what they shot for this. Uh, and I want to bring this up. They vote. They fly by uh, a big propaganda banner that says "Vote Koopa." Yeah. And I think to myself, who ran against King Koopa in this world? Turns out there's going to be a bonus scene later that explains that. I'm getting all the answers I wanted from this movie. It's like Christmas. And then we get another uh, little expedition, uh, like exposition dump of. Fiona Shaw, uh, Lena's character, and Koopa bathing in mud together. Yes. I love mud. It's clean and dirty at the same time. Yes, which is a weird thing for her germaphobe to say. Uh, I mean... (laughs) But okay. Like, spa mud is clean. Right. So I think that's what they're using. And then you kind of get more, more insight into Lena's character of... Uh... We get more jealousy from her. Yes. This is the first time I ever have the thought of, wait, who is she? Who is she in the Mario Brothers universe? Who is Koopa's jilted girlfriend? And then we get a scene with the Brooklyn girls. Yes. Talking, and I actually have a note of, hey, this movie now passes Bechdel. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're kind of talking about trying to escape and how to escape and where they came from. And there's something hilariously 1990s about this film because there's one Brooklyn girl who chain smokes. Yeah, she's always smoking. (laughs) Uh, We literally do not see this character without a cigarette. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) And Uh, you know that somewhere a young actress getting her SAG card was like, I'm going to stand out. I'm just going to chain smoke the whole time. I'm just going to smoke the whole time. Uh, Fiona's dress slaps is my next note. Yeah, it does. Uh, does Because she comes in... And they take, um, they're looking for princess, the the true princess. And everyone's kind of like, I don't know. Because these are all just random Brooklyn girls. Including Daisy, because Daisy doesn't know what she is. And they go, where is Princess Daisy? 
It's also very 90s, not like other girls. All the other Brooklyn girls are kind of dressed up. Yeah. And Daisy's in like her ex- Yeah. Her expedition gear yes, of like yeah. cargo shorts. Her archaeology gear. And then Fiona kind of approaches her and says, you have your mother's eyes. <laughs> and you go... She has her whole face. Her whole it's the same face person. Um, <laughs> so then they try to take Daisy away. And we get like a nice little scene of Daniela like actively trying to fight the Goombas to keep Daisy yeah, with them. Which is nice. It, like Daniela is clearly a huge victim of these cuts. Mm-hmm. For sure. And... We end up with this bonus interrogation scene mm-hmm. with Koopa just trying to be creepy with Daisy. Interrogation's uh, not the word there. He is attempting a seduction. Yeah. Uh, it's a sexual assault. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, oh, she goes like, where is my father? And he goes, here, there, around. Around. Which is good foreshadowing. foreshadowing. Uh, and he like... Advances on her and says, like, you never forget the time, the first time you kiss a dinosaur. Yeah. And Spike and Iggy mercifully interrupt. Well, I have this note, forgive me if this is later, but doesn't he force her to call him a dinosaur? Doesn't he say something like, oh, yeah. Say it. Vampire. <laughs> Lord of Vampire? Because it's very much like the Twilight scene where Edward forces Bella to say, say vampire? Yeah, I, I think I was taking a lot of notes in the scene. I missed that piece. Yeah. Uh, so... I didn't want to miss lose that joke. Say it. Vampire. Uh, so we get like a dopey little scene of Iggy and Spike, who were evolved to be more intelligent. Yeah, so basically they think they're going to get de-evolved. Yeah. But instead, they get evolved because they need to go out and find the stone that Daisy lost. And it's a little strange that they had to mess up nine times before Koopa has the plan of, well, maybe they should be less dumb. I mean, this plan ultimately really backfires on Koopa, so... It does, but still. And uh, the brothers, then we get into the desert because uh, we found out the Dino Hatton is a few lousy gross streets and endless desert. Yeah, so they... There's a great moment where... Uh, Mario asks Luigi, Luigi, should I take the tunnel or the expressway? And Luigi says, take the expressway. So Mario takes the tunnel. And Luigi says, I wanted, I wanted you, you to take, take the, the tunnel. tunnel. That's why I said the expressway. They end up flying out of a pipe. And the fungus is the only thing that stops them from smashing into the ground and dying. Yes. We then get a bonus scene of them in the desert where they're complaining about WrestleMania. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is this? And they also say shit in this scene. They do. They, they drop the S word. Uh, they end up meeting up with the Koopa cousins. Yes. And they... Oh, because Luigi like tells Mario to kill him with a rock. Oh, yeah. Like Luigi just like, kill me. Take this rock and kill me. And then Luigi drops the same rock on Mario's foot. Yes. This is all a very weird scene. Uh, they're shirtless and, like, wearing their shirts as hats because they're hot because they're in the desert. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand how they end up tying up the Koopa Cousins, but they do. Yes. We, we still don't see how that happens. Uh, and basically, they decide they have to team up because they just want the rock. Yeah. And if 
the Mario Brothers can get the rock that can then save Daisy. Is yeah, the they, idea here. They make the deal with the Koopa Cousins that they can get Daisy if they give the Koopa Cousins the rock. Yes. Because the Cousins do not know Daisy herself is also important. They yes. only understand that the rock is important. In this, we also get a scene where Daisy meets Yoshi. Are we there already? Yes, this I is have... intercut here. Okay, go for it. And there's a cute little moment where, like, Yoshi meets her. And because all animals are dogs in fiction. Of course. Yoshi gives her, like, a puppy kiss. Yeah. So she won't forget the first time she kissed a dinosaur. Because it was Yoshi. Because you were Yoshi. And you were such a good boy. Yoshi is a practical puppet, which looks pretty good. Except if for... If you don't think about... Well... Yoshi looks great until you realize that Super Mario Brothers came out three weeks before Jurassic Park. Three weeks. And things ran longer in theaters in the 90s. So like Mario Brothers was still in theaters when Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park came out. <laughs> um, now it doesn't look that good. When no. you think of it that way. Uh, we get a cute little, like, dopey scene where Spike and Iggy discuss democracy. Yeah, so there's a few things I gotta hit here. Yes. Uh, one, uh, this the, when they try to team up, the Mario Brothers say, that lady took it. The yeah. one in red with the spikes. Was and, she corpulent? Yeah, was no, she, she was, like, big. Yeah, because now the Koopa Cousins are advanced, so they're using big words. Yes, because that's how you show you were smart in the 90s. Yeah. Is you do math problems and use big words. Affirmative. So the Koopa cousins are like, I know who that is. That's Big Bertha. She's a bouncer at the Boom Boom Bar. Mm -hmm. She's meant to be Boom Boom from Mario Brothers 3. The big spiky turtle that does this. Ah. (laughs) I'm moving my arms like Donkey Kong. Yeah. (laughs) Or like Boom Boom. Uh, Then they have this talk about democracy in the car. Where Mario's like, I'm seeing these billboards vote Koopa. Who would run against Koopa? And they're just kind of like, no one and those who do die. And I was like, closure! (laughs) I'm getting the answers to my questions! Yeah, I always kind of figured that they just ran like a sock puppet against Koopa. Yeah. Because that's what happens sometimes in these things. There's not really an opponent, it's just like... Yeah, you just run against me and you'll lose and you're fine. Yeah. But I just I just like that that was addressed because I had that question. Like, Koopa felt the need to have to advertise. Um, they use the song, uh, I got the power, in the Boom Boom Bar, which they used in the trailer. Yes. We do get some alternate takes of the Boom Boom Bar. This oh. scene is much racier and we, much... We gotta talk about this Boom Boom Bar because yeah. there's so much that goes on here. One... The big thing that makes me scream. Luigi dresses, shows up in a red suit. Yes. And Mario shows up in a yellow suit. Yep. For reasons I will never understand. Yeah, that's not explained. Uh, They're borrowing clothing from the Koopa Cousins. Uh, two, there is a dancer in this scene that makes Slave Leia look modest. Yeah. Like, I want you to picture... The sleeve, the most naked cosplay of a xenomorph that you could imagine, where you would still understand it was a xenomorph, but still have as little clothes as possible. Yes. This is what this one woman is wearing. Yeah. And throughout the rest of this scene, 
the you anytime there is bonus footage, it's literally just her. Like there are moments where Mary and Luigi are walking, and then the time code comes up because you see her. And then they walk past her and she goes off screen and the time code disappears. Yeah. So they were just, they just had to cut this naked woman out of this film. Yeah, I, I imagine she was going to push the rating to PG-13. Oh my, I want to interview this woman <laughs> and talk to her. Like, what happened to you? Uh, I do have a thing of, are the music choices a little different? Uh, we kind of have, the scene goes as normal right through almost unreal. Yes. Uh, which is the slow dance with Bertha and Mario. Yes, Mario. <laughs> and I find it really interesting that the most uh, erotically charged moment in the film is between Mario and Bertha. Yes. Mario has a girlfriend, and it's not between Luigi and Daisy, because yeah. they're the very PG-rated Disney love story. Yeah, Mario tries to work the charm on Bertha, and Bertha just punches him in the face. Yep. Boom, boom. And then Mario comes back and says... Could you punch me in the face again? The way your knuckles feel against my cheek is wonderful. And that's enough for Bertha to be like, this guy's okay. And they do a seductive dance where Mario robs her. Yeah. And (laughs) I love this movie. I love this movie. I actually legitimately like have the, we're not supposed to sympathize with Bertha, but I totally do. I totally do. Like, because she doesn't do anything mean or wrong. Like, she doesn't deserve this. Well, she does steal from them in the beginning and punch Mario in the face. Yeah. It's a rough town. (laughs) It is a rough town. And then we get something that I had only heard rumors about. Oh my god. Uh, I've legitimately been studying this movie for a couple of years now. Yes. I knew somewhere Iggy and Spike had a rap number. But here it is in all its glory. And you realize what our society has become? You ever get the feeling you're an automatic pilot? You're going through the motions like waves in the ocean? That life is a series of brainless notions, and you want to feel something more than empty emotions. Well, we met two plumbers. Who had an idea. They showed us the light. And the new frontier. Mario. And Luigi. They know what's right. We got to take a stand and put up a fight. Well, stop. And think this through, through, it's time to get rid of you, you know, know who. who. A radical development is taking place. Iggy. And Spike will, will set, set the pace. Koopa. The, the party poopa. The poopa scoopa. It's a crying shame. shame. We're playing his game. He's got us so tame. It really is lame. lame. We're all so dumb being under his thumb. Be proud reptilians. We number in the millions. Look at these goombas. Shutting us down. The rule of force. Is the rule of this clown. Koopa. The, the party poopa. And this is very in the vein of Ninja Rap from yes. Secret of Views. The second Teenage Mutant Ninja yes, Turtles yes. movie. The Vanilla Ice song. And it's very much that early 90s, we need a song that belongs to this movie. Yeah. Like Bat Dance from uh, 1989's Batman. Mm-hmm. And so they really wanted to push like having a weird musical number because it was the early 90s and a lot of these songs... I mean... That late 80s, early 90s, a lot of movies had some kind of musical number. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them had a dance. We do also get a dance number that does survive for most of it. And uh, they, the opinion of the filmmakers who restored it is that it was cut because of the dancers. Oh, it had to be. <laughs> that it was not cut because it was stupid. It was not cut because it didn't make sense tonally. Mm-hmm. Like, they would have kept it. 
But there's straight up nudity in this movie. Uh, yeah, you barely see them in the movie's release. They cut around these characters, and so the rap got cut. It's such the rap is is stupendous. Yeah, it's like King Koopa, Party Poopa. You're gonna post a little. <laughs> oh, bit of it. oh, it's gonna be in here. And so this was a very big like urban legend about this film was that there being the existence of this rap song. Like this was a huge like almost kind of like a rumor in. The context of this movie. Yeah, it's just the, the lure of the lost media of this rap song, and here it is. It's it's very, like, the rhymes are very puerile. It is them essentially leading a protest song, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a very um, early 90s white person rap version of a protest song. Yeah. And then we get the everybody do the dinosaur dance number that exists in... The film. Yes. We get more of it. Everybody do the dinosaur. Everybody up, get on the floor. Everybody rock the dinosaur. Which was a song I thought my father had made up until I was like in my 20s. (laughs) Because he used to sing it around my house a lot. And uh, he had a habit of making up lyrics to things. Mm -hmm. So there were songs like that and The Kinks' Father Christmas that I did not realize were real songs until I was considerably older. It's in fact a real song, and in the very real movie, Super Mario Brothers. We get more of the scene where they're help. We get the coat check girl calling them, and she legitimately says, I'm the coat check girl at the Boom Boom Club. <laughs> Instead of, like, any kind of name. Yes. Uh, because she can get a name. Yeah, because she's ratting out the Mario Brothers. Because there is a... Um, a bounty. There's a bounty of 5,000 Koopa coins. Yes. It still said coupons in this. It did. And uh, basically, uh, they're about to escape with the rock, and they lose it to Lena. Yes. Because uh, Lena shows up. Yes. Trying to win back Koopa by getting the rock back. Yeah. She ends up with the rock, and then as they're trying to escape, they run into Bertha again. And Bertha knocks out the police and hides them. Because now Bertha's on their team. Yeah. Which is great. Helps them get into the coat check and says, take the uh, the thwomp boots. The thwomp boots. So this is a reference to not only the thwomp, but this is supposed to justify like the Mario Brothers being able to jump really high. Yes. So I like this. This makes me happy. The thwomp stompers. Excuse the thwomp me. stompers. And uh, for the second time, Luigi notices the fungus trying to give them... A small black bomb. Yes. Which we know to be a bomb. Yes, they, they do not. But they end up taking it this time, I believe. And uh, the Mario brothers narrowly escape again. And... Uh, they, they end up outside... Oh, well... We get a little shot of Koopa talking crap at the fungus. Yes. Making it clear that the fungus is an entity. Yes, he's he's basically he does a scene just talking to Goo, and he beats the crap out of Marky Mark talking to flowers. Like this is much better acting with an inanimate object than I've ever seen. Uh, the Mario Brothers end up getting to Koopa Castle, I believe, in a trash truck. Is yes. like the way that they kind of sneak in, and this bugs me so much. They end up like falling out of this truck. And then big on the wall is the number 23 as the camera pans up to show this giant tower. 
Mm-hmm. They couldn't make it say at 8 4. Yeah. How much better would that be? Because I don't understand why it's 23. I don't know either. 8 4 would have been such a good reference. So uh, they begin realizing that the heating pipes are not well maintained. So they block them off mm-hmm. because everyone's cold blooded. Yes. So everyone, it'll quickly become uncomfortable for everyone in there. With the possible exception of the Brooklyn girls. Yes. Who are the only people we see being cold. Yes. Uh, and while this is happening, Lena brings Iggy and Spike back to Koopa. And Koopa orders to have his cousins killed. And Lena, uh, she like tries to get Koopa's attention one last time. Yes. Well, I should, we should mention that the Koopa cousins are suddenly against Koopa. Because they're like... Down with the proletariat because they've learned, which I I think is a nice arc for them. But she kind of, uh, she tries to tell him that she has the meteorite and he keeps going, where's Daisy? Where's Daisy? Where's Daisy? And so in this very jilted girlfriend moment, she just turns around, looks at the meteor in her hand and goes, alone then. Yes. Uh, It's also important to reference the fact that uh, Koopa orders a pizza. With, like, mosquitoes and extra, like, termites on it. And uh, when he orders it, he uses a Nintendo zapper. Yeah. Like, to, like that's their phones are somehow the Nintendo zappers? Yes, because uh, Daisy uses one later, too. Yeah. So, Luigi and Mario, we get this big shot of them in the red and green coveralls. Yeah, they're in their proper colors, finally. And... They hear the elevator music, and Luigi has this idea, and there's this incredibly long scene where they make them dance. Yes, this is, again, Luigi has a feeling, and they they use the power of the music of the elevator to make them dance so they're distracted so they don't notice the Mario Brothers are in the elevator. Because Goombas are stupid. Yes. Uh, There's one tiny thing, again, don't think this is an important, like an on-purpose joke? Yeah. One of the Goombas has glasses. Like, goggles almost. Yeah. That he used to see. And it's one of the few Goombas that has a longer uh, face. Because most of them are round. But yeah. But he's got more of a T-Rex face. He's wearing Rex Specs. I don't even think Rex Specs existed. <laughs> Rex Specs, guys. He's wearing Rex Specs. Boom. Oh man, Rex Specs were introduced 15 years prior, so yeah. That I mean, this were... is when Rex Specs were big because the guy on the Suns uh, basketball team wore them. That's right, that's right. And uh, so Daisy and meets Toad, and we get the idea that Toad, despite being a Goomba, does retain his decency and kindness. Because he tries to give Daisy something to eat. <laughs> yeah, a raw slap of meat. And she says, like, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat anything with a face. Can I have some steamed vegetables? And he leaves. And we get this bit where Lena tries to stab Daisy. But Yoshi uses his tongue to pull Lena back. Yeah. Lena stabs Yoshi. But Yoshi then, like, goes after Lena's feet for, like, a while. Yeah, there's more foot stuff. In this movie in general. In this movie. <laughs> I and knew then, she got stabbed, which I, dis- I dislike. 
Yoshi always gets stabbed in every cut. I know, I still don't like it. But in uh, Daisy runs into Toad, who has her veggies. Yes. It's very cute. And then uh, Toad gets flamethrowered. <laughs> yeah, the, the guards show up and, and try to shoot Daisy with a flamethrower, end up hitting Toad. And the Koopa cousins are like, Princess Daisy, we're on your side now. We have learned. We need to run. And Daisy's like, no, my friend's on fire. And she grabs a fire extinguisher off the wall and extinguishes Toad. Yes. Which, um, is, which is a nice character moment. Yeah, it's a, it's a good good thing to do. And uh, Iggy and Spike tell uh, Daisy where her father is. Yes. And take her to him. Yes. And so she just meets the giant fungal mass, which is her father. Yes. And Iggy and Spike are like, we don't need to be here for this. And they make their exit while Daisy tries to communicate with the fungus that is her dad. Yeah. Uh, We also get another spot with Mario and Luigi. Uh, They find a pit. Luigi jumps across. Because he has a feeling. And Mario falls, but is rescued by the fungus. Yes. This is also the scene where Daisy tries to communicate with the Mario brothers. Yes. And I want to just point out, she like gets on the intercom and she calls out for Mario. Which she is weird. doesn't call out for Luigi. She's like, Mario? Like, is that Daisy? And then she's like, oh, Luigi? <laughs> Almost like she's calling for the one who doesn't, she thinks isn't an idiot. Yeah, I mean, and... Because anytime there's been a problem, she calls for Mario. Because when there's the problem with them flooding the site, Luigi doesn't take care of it on his own. They go get Mario. Yes. So, like, Luigi is younger and not as competent. Uh, So they basically, because of the information that Daisy gives, uh, Luigi's going to go save Daisy because Daisy's in this throne room. With mm-hmm. her father, who is a fungus. Yes. Mario's going to go save the other girls from Brooklyn. Yeah. So that's why they kind of have to split up for this one. Yeah. Uh, this is a fun scene when Mario saves the girls here. Yeah. like, And it gives more for Daniela to do. Yes. They're all shivering. And they're all like, we get the impression that it was like late spring, early summer. Yes. In Brooklyn. So they're all in like dr- like little dresses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Danielle is very happy to see Mario. Yes. And Mario rescues the girls yeah. and they all jump on a Goomba mattress. Yes. They all grab a mattress and slide down the pipes in this like weird action sequence, which I think is supposed to represent an ice level. Yes. Uh... Because they go through the frozen pipes. They go through the frozen pipes and the Goombas are chasing them on a different mattress. Yes. And one of them is using another Goomba as a sled. Which is great. This is all just fun. This is all just fun crap. We also then get the police chief telling Koopa that like, all right, everything is mobilized for Earth invasion. And he's like, what? And they're like, yeah, Lena said that you said that. And then that's when Koopa realizes that Lena's betrayed him. Yeah, Lena has the stone. And so he's now looking for her. Meanwhile, uh, Daisy's like, this is my dad. Yeah, it's, it's this fungus. Yoshi joins them despite being chained up, is somehow able to walk this whole way. Yeah, uh, Yoshi teaches her how to use the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and is fine, despite the stab. Yeah. And... 
So we get this, like, this moment, and Lena is apprehended by the police chief at this point. Yeah, and something I don't understand, because she's like, can we strike a deal? And then I guess a deal is struck, because she still makes it to the meteorite. Yeah, like, so we have this whole bit, and, like, we have the little action sequence where, you know, the Goombas and the Mario faction have a little tiny fight, mm-hmm. but it's the other Goombas crash into them from the ice pipe, and then they... Yes. It's over. Uh, the ice pipe ends up leading them to, like, the main area of Dino Hatton that we've yeah. seen before, and there's a great moment of them flying out of the pipe, and they included some bonus footage where you can clearly see the blue screen. Yes. <laughs> Which I was like, I appreciate it. And then in the fracas... Uh, Mario and Luigi get Thwomp Stompers again. Yes. And uh, there's like an aerial fight between Mario and Koopa, and Koopa drops the shard, uh, which he and Lena catches it. Yeah, there's this bit of a hot potato moment where the shard's going all over the place. This is where uh, Mario uses the bomb. Yes. And the bomb like, just starts to walk and then, like, falls through a crack in the sidewalk. And they're like, oh, well, that's it for that. And then throughout the rest of the movie, we'll cut back to just seeing this bomb's journey. And then Mario holds up a leather cord. A shoelace. Yes. That he stole. Uh, to trick Koopa into thinking he has. Has the shard when he doesn't. Uh, Goomba had, or Koopa has a Devo gun. He has yeah. a gun that can de-evolve you. Yes. Which is clearly a Super Nintendo Super Scope. Yes. Which I enjoy. Uh, during all this fracas, Lena makes it to the meteor. Yeah. Uh, she puts the stone into the meteorite, which makes her explode and become a fossil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they're able to get the other Brooklyn girls out. Through yeah, the they same jump way, through the portal. Yeah. yeah, the same way Daisy got in. And in that moment, as soon as the girls clear it, Lena gets the shard in and there's an explosion and an energy burst and it throws her back into the cave wall and immediately destroys all meat on her. Yeah. And her skeleton is imprinted yeah. into the wall. She becomes fossilized. Yeah. Uh, this for and then Daisy realizes that, like, oh, this is why they're saying I'm the one. I'm the only one who could do this without dying. Yes. So the the team Luigi and Daisy are now, we get much more of them struggling to get the shard out yeah, of. They the have crack. to get the shard out, but Daisy has to hold Luigi the whole time, or else he'll be thrown away. The he'll, same. He'll way. die too. Meanwhile, because the meteorite is now a uh, hole. Their worlds are merging, and Mario and Koopa, who I want to just point this out because I forgot to say this, are fighting on a bridge the whole time, which is a reference to the original game. Yes. Uh, end up in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And now they're surrounded by all these people. The worlds are melding, and you watch as the Twin Towers are destroyed, which is weird to see. And it's very much like the Avengers vaporization, like the Tony, I don't feel so good. Yeah. <laughs> They get snapped. And, like, it is unpleasant. It is jarring. Uh, Whenever I watch this with someone who is unaware that shot's in there, they are always very upset by it. Yeah. 
then the fight continues between Koopa and Mario, except now in Manhattan. Now, the Brooklyn girls are with the police trying to explain what's going on. Yes, and they're not buying it, but now there's a lizard man with a Devo gun, so they're starting to buy it. Uh, Koopa misses Mario and shoots Spatelli and, yeah. and turns him into a monkey. And then the best line reading of any line ever on the planet. Give me that Devo gun! The best, best line reading in the film. Monkey. I just, okay. I wanted to play that audio. Noah's going to probably put better audio in, but I wanted to play it so that Noah could get the full effect. It is effect. good. It is really good. Uh, but, so I guess that solves the Scabelli problem because that, yeah. that's the end of that story. Now he's a monkey. Uh, he tries to shoot Mario with it, but Mario uses a mushroom he had been given by the fungus and the mushroom grows big and becomes a shield. Yes. Which is, okay, Super Mushroom got bigger. Okay, that I get the reference. Uh, during this time... Luigi th- and Daisy are successful. Yeah, so they just go back to the bridge they were fighting on. Yes. Everybody just goes right back where they started from. The bomb is just kind of like doop doop yes. doop doop And then, like, someone's driving their car and is like, oh, no. We and gets bomb. out of their car because they don't want to hit the bomb. It's a bomb. Uh... The Mario Brothers are then successful in shooting Koopa with the Devo gun and turning him back into a lizard monster, which doesn't look like a dinosaur, nor does it really look like Koopa. I mean, we actually get uh, a nice sequence where everyone who they have been kind to helps them. Toad gives everyone the Devo guns. Yes. Uh, Bertha throws boots at them, I think. Yeah, Bertha... Uh, Bertha gives Luigi a pair of Thwomp Stompers, again, like, for the fifth time. And so we get this nice little, like, bit of everyone kind of pulling together before Mario ultimately de-evolves yeah. Koopa into this T-Rex monster. Into Goop. And then, well, then they shoot him again and he becomes Goop. Yeah, well, he's in the dinosaur form for a bit. Yeah. Until the bob goes off. Oh, yes, the bomb finally shows up and explodes. And you see that he's wearing Reeboks? Yes. <laughs> and, like, Koopa, ev- like, comes out of this container he falls into in full T-Rex mode. And the brothers quickly finish it. Yes. And he becomes Goop and he spills out onto the streets of Dino Hatton. And there is much celebration in the streets. And this is all bonus footage. Yep. And, and most importantly, his pizza arrives. Yeah, the pizza boy shows up and was like, here's your pizza, Koopa, and throws it in the puddle, which is a great payoff for that bit. And the um, the filmmakers who added, who restored this film, added the Mario theme in here. Yeah, I believe it's the Mario theme from uh, Wii Music. Yes. Uh, plays over, because probably uh, the footage that they had did not have music added yet. Right, because so. it was a work print. Luigi and Daisy also have, like, a real mm-hmm. kiss in Dino Hatton, yeah. which they had not had before. They, they have some kisses, and then, like, water shoots out. Yes. But it's very reminiscent of the fireworks at the end of a level of Mario. I love everything about this. Yeah. 
Uh, the Goombas are dancing. Like, this is a really cool, like, ending that's, like, very victorious. I think you see the Koopa cousin. Oh, the Koopa cousin say something along the lines of, well, time to start looking for a new job. Yep. Like, everything here is great. Uh, they then go to return back to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And Daisy's like, I can't go. I have to learn where my, I came from. My people are here. And Luigi's like dumbfounded and they have a moment where they're just kind of staring at each other. And again, and this is a bonus footage, Mario has to show up and do the conversation for them. Yeah. And this time he's translating for Daisy where it's like, she's saying she loves you, but she can't go with you because this is her home now. We have to go. Yeah. And I was like, this is a great, like wonderful bookends. That gets completely lost because you cut this scene. Yes. Really enjoyed this. Uh, the king stops being fungus as well. Yeah, he re-evolves. Uh, which I'm not really sure how that works. Like, why that does it. Yeah, they don't really explain it, but... And then they go back to... Man- like, they go back to Brooklyn. Uh, Daniela has moved in with them. Yes. And so we kind of get this nice little, like, domestic scene where, like, Daniela and Mario are cooking dinner... Uh, Luigi's watching the same show he was watching before. Yes. But now they're talking about the Dimensions and the Mario Brothers, who he calls the Super Mario Brothers. He calls them the Super Mario Brothers. And so they're, you know, about to eat dinner. Uh, someone knocks the door and Mario's like, come in. And it's Daisy. Yeah. And she goes, "You, got, I need your help. Wait till you guys see this. Clearly setting up a sequel. Yes. And they and put we, on their work belts, and the movie ends, and we get credits. And then, now, it's really important. There has always been a post-credit scene. Yeah, I was unaware of this until very recently. Yeah, you found out this year. Because I watched this movie once a year, yes. for reasons. And um, you didn't know there was a post-credit scene until this year. Yes. With uh, two Japanese businessmen talking about a video game... Uh, based on your many adventures. And we're expecting it to be the Mario Brothers. Yeah. It pans over, and there are Spike and Iggy. Spike and Iggy. Who suggest different names, such as the Indomitable Spike and Iggy's World. And then they look at each other and go, Super Koopa Cousins! And in most prints, that's where it ends. There's an additional joke in the work print. Yeah, of the Japanese businessmen looking at each other and going, Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers. Yes. So then the Japanese businessmen going, Super Mario Brothers, and that being the end of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that, that is the film. Uh, so, and any research you want to bring up that we didn't touch on? Because I know there's a lot going on here. Uh, I have like a lot of background knowledge, but nothing that like super fits in with how we're discussing this. Yeah, I do want to bring it up just because it's an interesting fact that didn't come up here, but this was directed by a married couple that were getting a divorce during the film. Yes, uh, (laughs) there was a... Which also helps explain uh, some of the disjointed nature of the film. Mm -hmm. Everyone was miserable during production. Uh, It was... There was a lot of tonal issues because they thought they were making a movie for teenagers or adults versus a movie for children. Mm-hmm. So this movie, this version of this 
is a lot more aware of who its audience is. Yes. Because this work print cut is made by older fans of the film who are in their adulthood who know the audience for this is also adults who may have been children when the 1993 movie came out. So that's when you can go into like Koopa being a mad king or Iggy and Spike becoming hardcore anti-Koopa. Yeah. Uh, The Lena subplot, the Daniela subplot, like those being added in more because you don't have to streamline these characters as hard. Yes. This movie, like my relationship with this movie is I remember when it came out, this is like a movie I rented all the time. Yeah. But this is a movie I had to fight my parents to be allowed to see. Okay. Because I remember in the trailer, uh, it said, rated PG, parent strongly cautioned, which I had never heard before. But it specifically said that for this movie, even though it was still rated PG, that parents were strongly cautioned. Huh. Yes. And I know we've had this discussion before, and I've never been able to find the trailer that says that. But I have that memory. Yeah, I, I was actually just pulling up, seeing if it was like on one of the posters. The posters are hilarious. Because um, they say like, this ain't no game. Yes, I also remember very distinctly the uh, commercial for the action figures. Whoa, what's that? It's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Uh, I, I'm i just going to give my verdict, if you if you don't mind. Sure. Uh I've always loved this movie. And before this cut, I would say like, oh, I love this movie. It's not a good movie. Right. But it's really fun and I like it. Honestly, with these added scenes, I think this is just straight up a good movie. It is a considerably better movie. Like, I was really surprised to hear myself say this. Because like, basically the argument we were going to have was... Should this new version exist and be brought to light? Or should it have stayed doomed and never been, like, unearthed? This makes this movie considerably better. Yeah, a lot of what they cut... I mean, it's so much of just not knowing who the audience was for this film. Uh, They dumbed it down to make it a child's movie in some places. Or they were trying to make a dark and gritty... like. If this movie had come out in 2008, when, like, Grimdark was at its height, Mm -hmm. we probably would have made a lot more money. Yeah. So, this is definitely a stay tuned. If you've never seen the Mario Brothers movie, I would recommend this version over the released version, as long as you're okay with some scenes not being color corrected. Yeah. I mean, they put in a load of work to color correct and try to keep the ratio somewhat consistent. Like... The people who... The Super Mario Brothers Archive Project, they put in so much work to make this cut watchable. And for that, we thank you. Yes. So is that a stay tuned from you as well? I would call it a stay tuned. I think it's really, really interesting what they were able to do to recreate this movie knowing who the audience is intended to be. Yes, indeed. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned from both of us. Woo-woo. Uh, in terms of housekeeping now, uh, 
on our Patreon. Join our Patreon and you can uh, talk to us on our Discord, make recommendations on things that we're going to cover, join us for live streams, and also vote on what we're doing next and get an exclusive monthly episode called the Crowdfund Crypt. This month, depending on our Patreon poll, will either be a reality show host tier list where we will rank all the reality show hosts that we have come across here on Stay Doomed and uh, decide where they belong in terms of ranking, or Stay Doomed restaurants where we will look at closed restaurants that we used to love and eat and dine at who are no longer around. Thank you to Crowdfund Crypt Keeper Matthew for uh, being a Crowdfund Crypt Keeper and helping keep the lights on and allowing me to turn the air conditioner back on as soon as we're done recording. Uh, what are we watching next week? Uh, next week, we are doing MTV's The Phone. Yes, this was a, another episode voted by our patrons. So we'll be checking out MTV's The Phone, which was, of course, executive produced by Justin Timberlake. This is the first time I've successfully not called it The Call, like the Backstreet Boys song. No, it's in sync. <laughs> Going to a place nearby. Gotta go. Where can people find us? Uh, You can find us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want to talk to me about the Super Koopa Cousins and how it's the best film in the world, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you want to talk about uh, constructs in late 80s and early 90s uh, family entertainment, I am at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed.